Oh, and welcome in. It is another Tuesday night, the last Tuesday night of 2021. My name is Connor Riley. Uh, we will be discussing Georgia football tonight. Obviously, the big game on Friday, college football playoff. Georgia takes on Michigan in the Orange Bowl, Miami, 730. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Todd Munkin tonight. We're going to talk a little Stetson Bennett. We're going to talk a little George Pickens. Obviously, we'll talk about the game and the sort of larger ramifications that come with it. Probably talk a little bit of recruiting this week. Jeff Sintel is down in Orlando for the Under Armour All-American game. So I have a little bit there on that. We'll obviously answer any thoughts, questions you might have. Obviously, quarterback situation is going to dominate much of the chatter here tonight. We got a chance to hear from Todd Munkin. It is one of two times all year we get to hear from him. And as always, it is an insightful conversation with Georgia's offensive coordinator when we get the chance to talk to him. I, as always, enjoy listening to Munkin, having things explained uh, about the Georgia offense, his decision-making process. And obviously, with all the questions about the quarterback situation or thoughts or takes or whatever have you about Stetson Bennett, about JT Daniels, about the position at large, I actually think Todd Munkin's maybe a better authority on it than, say, Kirby Smart. Obviously, both are involved in the process, but with Munkin being both the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach and having – I would say a pretty free reign in terms of the direction of this offense. Uh, I, I take what Munkin has to say quite seriously when he comes out uh, and says what he says today, and we'll play some of those clips for you. Uh, it, it makes the writing on the wall, in my opinion, pretty clear. Now we could see some changes. Obviously, if Stetson plays like he did in the second half of that Alabama game or second half of the last two Alabama games for that matter, you know, you do think that there's a chance this staff, Don Munkin in particular, considers making a change there. But – Stetson Bennett's still going to start for Georgia when they take on Michigan on Friday night. I think I think Todd made that very clear once again today, as Kirby Smart has made clear a number of times. Obviously, JT Daniels' COVID situation, I think, played a, a, a small factor in that. But even beyond that, I still think we are going to see sets in the start. JT now is down in Miami, arrived there yesterday, uh, was able to go through practice today with Georgia, as was George Pickens, who we're going to touch on a little bit later there. But, you know, I, I think a big reason why Stetson ends up starting over JT is because JT has missed so much time for practice and not going through reps. And Stetson very clearly earned the trust of this coaching staff. And in that time, you know, Stetson really came out and showed what he was capable of doing. He also showed that against Alabama. And so today, Todd Munkin was asked, Numerous questions about the quarterback position. It, it kind of stinks we only got 20 minutes with him, and, and some of those questions were from national media types or, or local media types down there in Miami who do not follow the team regularly and thus you know, aren't, aren't asking questions about the quarterback position or about guys that are more germane to the storylines to this game. But Todd Munkin was asked straight up, what changed from the beginning of the season where JT Daniels was clearly the entrenched starter for this team to now where it looks like Stetson Bennett is the entrenched starter with this team. Again, he started against Alabama. I would expect him to be the starter against Michigan on Friday night. And so Munkin gave a very, I think, strong defense of Stetson Bennett. What you hear is going to sound a lot like what Kirby Smart had said, but there's some veiled truthism in what Todd had said here today. So here's Todd Munkin talking about Stetson Bennett, talking about JT Daniels and the Georgia quarterback room at large. Well, <clears throat> Probably not a lot in terms of our confidence of both players. I think that's probably the best way to put it. You know, I think Stetson, at times, I'm talking about me, have probably undervalued his skill set. Um, you know, we've tried to 
to elevate guys that have talent on our roster. And we do that at every position. And some guys just combat, uh, combat that and fight and scratch and continue to play well and try to prove you wrong. And that's what Stetson Bennett did. And it wasn't really anything JT did. It was more along the lines of what Stetson did that we thought gave us the best chance to win his ability, his mobility, his ability, those things in the run game and in the past game, when things break down, uh, we believe give us the best chance to win. It's really nothing that JT did. And it just happened where Stetson got an opportunity, took advantage of that opportunity. We continued to win. Um, it never really ended up flipping the other way. I can't say that because they're, they're really talented players. Carson Beck's a talented player. Brock Vandergrift's a talented player. Sometimes opportunity leads to, you know, things that end up going in your direction. Is a, I don't know if I said that exactly right, but it just it never went back the other way where JT got a chance to get in there. And uh, so it's just the way it is, you know, and, and we believe that he gives us the best chance to win in, in a couple of those things of what I've said. So, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that you take away from there is Todd Munkett admitting he was wrong about Stetson Bennett. And let's, let's go back to 2020 when Stetson Bennett, the start of fall camp, was a fourth-string quarterback. And essentially from talking with, with color commentators from last year, Munkett admitted that he, he never thought Stetson Bennett was going to be a starter. And Stetson, look, for even the biggest attractors out there, they have to admit Stetson Bennett's a better quarterback this year than he was a season ago in, in – I know the Alabama thing is something that he's going to have to prove, and I do think he's going to get another shot at Alabama because I do think Georgia wins on Saturday. But he's played Alabama twice. Both those games have gone 41-24. I think the second game more than the first game doesn't necessarily fall on his shoulders, as I've said time and time again. Georgia's defense lost them that game against Alabama. Now, Stetson didn't help them win it either, and I think both of those things are important and have two different distinctions there. If Georgia plays Alabama again, Stetson has to be better on third down, and he has to be better in the red zone. Uh, 17 points on five trips is not good enough, especially when four of those trips happened when the game was still sort of in the balance there when it was a two-score game. So you, you hear Munkin come out there and admit, hey, he was wrong about Stetson Bennett, and maybe even a little bit wrong about JT Daniels too, because another point that I've made time and time again Look at who the other five-star quarterbacks were in the 2018 recruiting cycle that JT signed with. And I'm going to play you a clip here in a minute and why this is all sort of germane to this. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Both those guys are starting NFL quarterbacks right now, or at least Fields is when he's healthy. Look at the 2017 five-star quarterbacks. It was Davis Mills and Tua Tagovailoa. When healthy, those guys are starting at the NFL right now. JT Daniels is still in college. And if JT Daniels is the savior, that – some think he is. Don't you think he would have shown that? Don't you think he would have been able to to outplay Stetson Bennett and, and prove that he's able to do so? And you can say he was hurt, but JT has pretty much always been hurt. That's been a consistent storyline of him. He got injured and missed a game his freshman year at USC. His sophomore year starts with him tearing his ACL. He misses the first half of his first year at UGA because he's recovering still from that ACL and a second surgery he had in January. And then this year, he has an oblique injury that causes him to miss a start, and then he has a lat injury on top of that oblique injury that causes him to miss basically a month of the season. So that has to factor into the discussion here. And Munkin talked a little bit more about the quarterback situation because he was asked, as I I think the, the, the standard to which Stetson is judged is, can he win a national championship? And he was essentially... 
Point Blank asked that question here today, and, and this is probably the more forceful stuff that Munkin said today as far as what he thinks about this, what he, what Munkin thinks about Stetson and really the quarterback situation as a whole here. I, this is the one that got a lot of attention this morning. And so I think it's important to hear what Munkin has to say on this because we, we've heard Kirby Smart defend Stetson Bennett before, but I don't think we've heard Kirby come out and even, even Kirby Smart defend Stetson Bennett to the manner that which Todd Munkin does here. So this is Munkin talking about whether or not he believes Stetson Bennett is a national championship winning quarterback. First question was what Stetson needs to do to lead his national championship. Okay, first off, do what he continues to do. Obviously, we can't turn the ball over. I don't care who you are. This isn't, that isn't a Stetson problem. That's, that's a national problem. When you turn the ball over, you don't give yourself a chance to win. So those are things that we always address. It doesn't matter who that is, whether it's JT's a quarterback or Jameis Winston or whoever I've been around. And, and so those are the things. But if you look at the plays that he's made, he's made national championship plays. He has. You just turn on the film and look at some of the throws he makes, some of the decisions he makes, the things he does with his feet. I mean, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind we can win the national championship, and we have a. There, there's no doubt in my mind we can win it with Stetson Bennett. There's no. There's no question. We went into the championship game with Stetson Bennett, our quarterback, as a favorite, as a favorite, over a team that hadn't been an underdog in five years. That'll, that ought to tell you a lot about our quarterback and how he played. And some reason we get into this stereotyping of players based on where they were at some point. Okay, at some point, be it a uh, one was a walk on, one was a five star, one was whatever. If you just look at the production and what he's done for our football team, it's impressive. It's impressive. Um, so let's start with that. Okay, JT. JT is a student of the game. I don't anticipate any uh, of what he hasn't been a part of. He's one of those guys that can come right in and know exactly what we want to do. He's been in every meeting, Zoom meeting. He's he'll be ready to go. There, there's no question in my mind he'll be ready to go. Well. So, yeah, you hear Todd say at the end they're talking about JT Daniels and sort of his status for the game. Obviously, we touched on that at the top of the show tonight. He is in Miami, was able to practice with Georgia today. And, and you know, different than, say, the lat or oblique injuries he had earlier this season, you know, he really only missed, I think, one or two practices. He may have missed the last two practices in Athens and in the first one in Miami. So, and again, it's not like he's rehabbing a throwing motion, which is what the lat injury sort of led for him. So, you know, I, I do think JT is available to play. How much do we see him? Again, I think it comes down to how Stetson Bennett plays. And if he plays like he did on the road at Tennessee, on the road at Auburn, on the road at Kentucky, or, or home against Kentucky, I should say, you know, you probably don't need to see JT Daniels. And, and I'll say right now, I believe Stetson Bennett is good enough to lead Georgia to a win over this Michigan team. There's a reason Georgia is a touchdown-plus favorite going into this game. And as Munkin point at, pointed out there, they're also a touchdown favorite going or close to a touchdown favorite going into that game against Alabama. And that game, while I get the point that Munkin is making right there, I don't think that's entirely the best choice of words for him to use there because it says, oh, the perception was that Setson was this quarterback, but reality dictates something different there. So I, again, and, and we're going to transition here to a, to a second topic because it's what makes sort of the discussion about this quarterback situation so difficult. And, and Todd touched on it there a little bit. He mentioned the five-star ranking. That's what JT Daniels was in the 2018 recruiting class. He mentions the walk-on aspect, which is what Stetson Bennett was when he signed as a member of the 2017 class. 
but neither of those players right now are what their recruiting rankings were. And let's keep in mind what recruiting rankings tell us. They're not telling us who the best players are. Recruiting rankings are designed to identify which players are the best are going to be the best NFL prospects. That is entirely it is not an indictment on who is going to be the best college football player. And so because of that, you know, a lot of that buoys guys, but let's even look at this Georgia program. Eric Stokes was a three-star cornerback. Jordan Davis is a three-star nose tackle. Was there anyone last year clamoring for, say, a Tyreek Stevenson, who was a high four-star player, to be starting over Eric Stokes? No, that was ridiculous. And I get the quarterback situation and the quarterback position is different. But at the same point in time, and look, we're as guilty as this as anybody because we write about recruiting rankings and we know guys who are five-star prospects, higher-ranked prospects, get more attention on the recruiting trail and do more page views. And so thus we write about them and, and propagate it. But at a certain point, I, I think we have to move off and pass those recruiting rankings. These guys are four or five years removed from those recruiting rankings. Stetson and JT were both you know, 17, 18 years old when those rankings came out. They're now 22, 23 years old. They're fully grown men. And so they're not the player that they were coming into college. Guys are allowed to get better. Eric Stokes was allowed to get better and did. Jordan Davis was allowed to get better and did. Stetson Bennett clearly, and look, was not great against Alabama last year. Didn't do enough to help Georgia win the game this year. But he, anyone that thinks that the Stetson Bennett that we saw even two weeks ago or three weeks ago against Alabama was the same one that we saw in 2020, you're just not watching the same product that Stetson is putting out there. He's clearly an improved player. Obviously, there are aspects that he can improve on and get better, but there's the, uh, this other element to it that <laughs> makes discussing this Georgia quarterback situation so unfun. And because so much of it weirdly, and again, this isn't to say the entire fan base is doing it. There are select jerks in, in all aspects of all fan bases. But with Stetson, so much of this feels both personal and tied into the fact that Stetson was a walk-on, JT was a five-star, bing, bang, boom, let's move on. I know that Georgia beat Clemson in Cincinnati. JT Daniels was not the reason they won those games. Uh, he was straight up not good against Clemson and did not score a touchdown in that game and threw a pretty horrendous interception, which is something that Stetson has pretty routinely been killed for. And I would point out here that in this season, obviously different sample sizes, JT Daniels actually has a higher interception rate than Stetson Bennett. So with all that in mind, we got a chance to talk to Stetson today, and I thought this is one of the better answers that you're going to hear a college athlete give because he he can say and he does say that he he does his best to block it out and he doesn't let it you know sort of wrangle him or, or weigh on him. But with all that has sort of been said about him, it's impossible to totally ignore it. And so I thought this answer from Stetson was really mature, and I appreciated the candid candidness that he spoke with here and sort of discussing how he has sort of dealt with the way he has been portrayed and talked about really over the past month, but even throughout his entire tenure at Georgia. Like I've said before, if, if you listen to them when they're telling you how good they are, then you're going to listen to them whenever they tell you how bad you are. And I don't really care what anybody else says. My job is to go out every single day, uh, build chemistry with these guys, watch film enough to be prepared for when the game comes. And, uh, that's the only thing I'm worried about there. You, you can't put any value on people who really have no clue what they're talking about talking. Um, I wouldn't listen to myself if I was given a speech on heart surgery, um, not 
comparing football to heart surgery, but it's the same kind of gist. Um, so why would I listen to somebody who doesn't do this for a living and just watches it happen? It just, it really doesn't bother me. Um, it's a bit frustrating sometimes, I guess. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't have social media. I don't, you know, so I don't wallow in it. I don't sit in it. I don't, um, think about it. All I'm thinking about is beating Michigan, um, and being the best quarterback I can be for my teammates. So the thing with Stetson to keep in mind there, and I think the big discussion point around him is, okay, he's not to beat Alabama. And I, we've had two chances to see that. 41-24 both times. I can understand where that comes from. I point out, if we're using win-loss results to determine who is good enough to beat Alabama, Jake Fromm was not good enough to beat Alabama. Aaron Murray was not good enough to beat Alabama. Both those guys were highly rated quarterbacks, I would point out there as well, as far as a recruiting recruiting sort of standpoint there. Uh, Matthew Stafford, the last time he played Alabama, was not good enough to beat them. So this has not just been a Stetson Bennett problem. This has been a Georgia, pro, uh, a, a Georgia problem. It's part of the reason why uh, Kirby Smart was brought in to be, to be the head coach of Georgia back in 2016, and it continues to be a problem as Georgia continues to lose to Alabama, and it's something they're going to have to figure out. But having said all that, I do think there's a chance that we're going to see Georgia-Alabama part two here in this 2021 season. I think that game's going to be in Indianapolis on January 10th because I think Georgia beats Michigan on Friday, uh, even with Stetson Bennett back there, even with the, the questions caused by COVID-19 and who might be available and who might not be this week, obviously not just affecting Georgia, but all aspects of, of sort of the sport right now. And, and not just the sport, obviously, but life in general, as I believe I saw today that uh, we had a new record for, for cases today, but we're not here to talk about COVID-19. We're here to talk about Georgia and um, Michigan in the Orange Bowl college football playoff semifinal at 730. And I think Georgia wins for a couple of different reasons. I'll start with the lines of scrimmage. I know Michigan won the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in, in football. I just don't believe a team is running on this Georgia defensive line. I think Jordan Davis has a huge game, a huge bounce back game after he did not play his best against Alabama. I think the depth that they have with Jalen Carter and Trayvon, or uh, I'll include Trayvon Walker in there, Devontae Carter, really those guys on the inside, I think are going to make life very difficult for a very good Michigan running game. But again, this is the best defensive line that, that Michigan has seen all season. As far as on the other side of the ball, I, there, the offensive line has not been great this season in my estimation for Georgia, but I think it's absolute strength is the pass blocking ability of, of Jamari Sawyer and Warren McClendon. Those guys are really, really good in pass, bro. You know, we talked a lot about Will Anderson in the run up to that Alabama game. He didn't have much of an impact on that game. and didn't really register a sack until late in that game. Uh, when it was sort of already out of hand and Georgia was obviously having to play one handed and throw the football there as much as they did. So I, I, I do think Jamari Sawyer and Warren McClendon are going to be up to the task of blocking Aiden Hutchinson and David Jabo two really talented defensive ends who I do think will be first round picks. There's also a, a little bit of chatter rumors out there that Michigan may or may not have it starting safety Daxton Hill. Uh, if he or nickel, if he's not able to play for Michigan, that's going to be a big loss because he's probably going to be the guy that's asked to cover Brock Bowers. And as we saw with Brock against Alabama, Alabama has some real talented players on that defense, and they couldn't cover Brock Bowers at all. Uh, I've got a story on Brock coming tomorrow morning, sort of talking about him and what has been said about him by both Todd Munkin and Michigan defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, a Georgia grad, a Centennial High School grad as well. So 
you know, Brock Bowers, I do think makes a very big difference in this game. I think James Cook does as well. I, I think his speed and ability to get outside is going to give Michigan some problems. And Georgia's gotten some pretty good news here as of like George Pickens down there in Miami arrived with JT Daniels yesterday. How much he plays again. My question was always, okay. So against Alabama, he played 12 snaps against Michigan. Can you get that snap count up to 25 snaps? If you're able to do that, I think he's going to be able to play enough to have a big enough and sizable impact in this game because you saw even against Alabama when he wasn't 100%, he's still able to do things that very few receivers in college football are able to do, uh, going up and making that 37-yard catch on Kool-Aid McKinstry. Now, Stetson's got to get him the ball when those shots are called for, but George Pickens, even if he's out there for 25 plays, and let's say he gets five or six targets up from, I think, the three or four that he had against Alabama. If he's able to connect and haul in four of those passes, if he can get somewhere like four pa- three, three catches for 63 yards or four catches for 74 yards, that's going to help Georgia win this game because it's going to do a multitude of things. It's going to pull players away from block- Brock Bowers. Do that at your own risk. It's going to pull the safeties out of the box. Do that at your own risk because what we have seen from Georgia time and time again is if you just give them the, the ability to run the football and they're able to pick up four to five yards on every carry – that's just a, a losing formula for the opposing team. You have to commit bodies to stopping the run and force Georgia to beat you with the pass. And if George Pickens is out there, it makes that a lot harder to do. And Todd Munkin was asked about George Pickens today, not just his availability, but his development at large. And Munkin, I thought, made a really good point in that this guy who's really only scratching the surface because you consider he's never really had a spring practice because he didn't enroll early as a freshman. 2020 spring was canceled, and then he has his knee injury early last year. So he's really only you know played a certain amount of football, and so as he continues to play more, there's a chance that he gets even better beyond just the faith and confidence that he has in his knee. I thought Munkin, who knows wide receivers well, coached Mike Evans at the NFL level. I thought he had some really interesting comments today on George Pickens. We anticipate all of the players that we had you know, against Alabama to be ready to play, that including George Pickens. You know, George has done a fantastic job of working to get back to give himself a chance to play at the back end of this season. I mean, when when I think back to the spring when he injured his knee <clears throat> and thinking, wow, could, you know, what a disappointment for him and his development and for us. Um, but he has done a fantastic job of trying to get back. There are going to be some things that he's continued to work through, trust in the knee, Obviously, reps, he's still a young player. I mean, when you think about, you know, playing, you know, as a as a freshman <clears throat> and then we didn't have any spring ball. So he's basically missed the last two springs when you think about a young player's development. And then he missed a couple of games the year before. So he's still a young developing player and we're still trying to work him in um, and to make sure that uh, he can help us. Um, you know, offensively and, and most importantly, help us win with what he can do at this point. But he's done a great job, Chip, of getting back um, and helping this team. So you hear Munkin talk there about George Pickens, what he's going to be able to bring to this team. And again, you know, how much does his COVID sort of interruption? There's still some obvious questions about that and where he stands there. But how much is he able to play? If he's able to get to 25 snaps, 20, 25 snaps, I think that's going to make a difference in this game and you know maybe help Georgia end up covering this brand and winning more comfortably. I do think it's going to be a low scoring type of game, 
But if you're Georgia and you're able to get more out of George Pickens, and even you saw in that game against Alabama, that's going to make your offense all the more dynamic. It's going to open everything up for everyone else. And again, as I said earlier, you have to be committed to getting him the football. And I would note that Stetson Bennett's numbers with George Pickens are not what they are with JT Daniels. And so that is going to be something to sort of monitor and we'll see. But at the end of the day, Georgia's offense is better with George Pickens in it. And it sounds like at least in some capacity, they're going to have Pickens out there against Michigan on Friday night. And so with that, we opened up for questions, comments. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of free JT stuff in there. I'm sure there are also going to be plenty of great comments and questions about the game, thoughts, interesting uh, matchups, X factors to watch. So let's open it up and sort of find out who uh, has what sort of thoughts. I would note, I didn't get a chance to clip it. And again, some of the frustrations this week have been, you know, we only get 20 minutes with Munkin and it's on Zoom and we're really limited by even who gets to ask a question. I was fortunate enough to ask a question today. If I'd gotten another one, I would have loved to have asked about more questions about Brock Bowers or not Brock Bowers. I did ask a question about Brock Bowers. Brock Vandergriff, excuse me, Carson Beck, how their development is going uh, because I think Munkin is obviously the foremost authority on that being the quarterback's coach. And he touched on it a little bit today, but I would have liked some deeper analysis on that because I, I do think there's a good chance one of those two guys ends up being the starting quarterback for Georgia in the 2022 seasons. Uh, let's see. We're going to scroll to the bottom here. Um, yeah, so Brett Olesby, I did sort of touch on this earlier. There's some questions as to whether or not he's going to be available this week. Nothing has been confirmed on that, but there are questions at the very least surrounding his availability. And if he's not able to go, I do think that is a big loss for Michigan because he's one of the more talented defenders, specifically in that defensive backfield. And you look at the struggles they had a season ago. Obviously, it's a very different defense under Mike McDonald compared to that of Don Brown, but the secondary play has been much improved, but sort of like Georgia and what we saw against Alabama, there's still some questions there. Ohio State was able to move the ball on Michigan. They just were not able to finish in the red zone, and I think that's going to be one of the real keys to the game, but no Daxon Hill would make things much, much easier for Brock Bowers in particular. Um, Let's see... Uh, Jerry Dogs fan. Yes, it does sound like all of Georgia's running backs are going to be available. That includes Kendall Milton. I know he had missed the last couple games there down the stretch with an MCL injury, but Zamir White is down there. James Cook is down there. Kenny McIntosh is down there. All those guys are going to be healthy and, and, and available to play. I wonder if this is maybe perhaps more of a Zamir White game, just given the physicality you, you sort of figure to see, but Kenny McIntosh looked really good against Alabama and turned some heads in that game. And then obviously James Cook is a real difference maker for, for Georgia there on the offensive side of the ball. So I do think that'll be interesting to see. Let's see. Questions, thoughts. Uh, Robert Lewis Bailey. Yeah, I, I think I do think we see more Brini in this game. I think you're going to see Chris Smith stay in his safety role and you're going to have Brini there. I, I will note that Michigan is going to ask Georgia to be really disciplined because they, they do a lot of trickeration. And if you aren't fully focused, uh, you open yourself up to big plays, which is why Michigan, I think has 17, 50 yard players or more. But I think this game with, with the way Michigan wants to run the ball with the way Michigan wants to play. I, I think this is a Latavius Brini game. Now, whether we see him against Alabama, that's a different question, but I, I'd be, I'd be fairly surprised if we don't see Latavius Bruni back there starting for Georgia. I think this matchup very much suits his skill set. 
Uh, Steve Rogers, uh, the reason I'm not in Miami uh, came down to financials. Uh, we learned that everything was going to be moved online. It was virtual, and as we've seen this week, it's virtual at practice. And talked with my boss. Didn't make a whole lot of sense for us financially to send me down there for a week. It's pretty expensive, especially with air travel being what it is these days. And look, I'll be honest, you know, my mom had hip surgery at the beginning of the month. I haven't gotten to see my parents a whole lot recently. haven't gotten to see my sister a whole lot. And so I was able to spend some extra time with them these past couple of days. And one of the things that you sort of realize is in in hearing some of the other beat writer frustrations, like time is something that I, I think not a, we don't value enough in this job. And I know nobody wants to hear this, but this job can be really time, time consuming and time demanding. And so if I have a chance to, to steal a little time here or there with my family and friends around these holidays, I'm going to take it when I'm still able to do my job 99% as well as I would be in a hotel room in Miami at this point. So that's sort of the reason that I am here. I will not be at the game on, on Friday. However, if Georgia goes to the national championship game, I will obviously be there for that. But with the cost and how much it was going to be down there and how limited we were going to be. I I just made a decision that I think it's better. I can do my job just as well in Atlanta this week. Let's see. Uh, Kevin Flutie. So this is a good point. Um, And it'll be telling uh, how Georgia goes about this because they didn't do this against Alabama. And I think they need to trust Keely Ringo and Darian Kendrick and say, Hey, look, we're just going to have to play you guys in man and, and hope that you can hold up in the back end. And I do think they're both talented enough to do so. And while there have been at times this year, some concerns about that. And obviously against Alabama that was on display. I do think that the Michigan wide receivers aren't necessarily good enough to consistently in the ways that say Jamison Williams and John Mechie did beat Georgia deep. And so I think they're going to ask Keely Ringo and Darian Kendrick and to a lesser extent, Lewis Seen and Chris Smith to hold up in man coverage a good bit more. But that's a really good question, Kevin. Uh, let's see. Uh, Reformation le- uh, Logistics. I do think, yeah, if, Mon- uh, if Munkin could choose, I think he'd choose Stetson Bennett. I think that's what he's doing and showing us right now. I think this is as much, if not more, a Todd Munkin decision than a Kirby Smart decision when it comes to the quarterback pos- quarterback play. Uh, Emery David Davis. Yeah. Chris Smith is okay. Uh, we got a chance to talk to him on Monday. Yeah. It sounds like he's in a better place. You know, you don't know if he's a hundred percent, but the fact that he's been able to practice this week, I think we saw today he was in a non-contact or a, a full contact Jersey. And if you're doing that, you're as close to a hundred percent as you can be at this point in the year. And you know, his injury and lack of ability and lack of ability to play star because of said injury against Alabama, I, I think limited what Georgia was able to do. I think if you do see a rematch there, Maybe they go Dan Jackson at safety and then play Chris Smith at star a little bit more because I think Smith allows you to play more man coverage out of that sort of nickel nickel look. Um, let's see. Um, so, Don, and this isn't just you, but I know I understand why people want to see Darnell Washington get the ball more, but like Brock Bowers is incredible. He's the best tight end in college football. And I'm not in favor of taking receptions away from Brock Bowers with what he's been able to do this season just to give them to Darnell. And and look, Darnell had a touchdown catch his first of his career against Alabama. I think he can be a factor against Michigan on Saturday. But and again, this goes back to the recruiting rankings that we sort of talked about with Stetson and and Todd Munkin earlier. If if Darnell's not a five-star, there's not this sort of fascination. If if Darnell Washington 
has John Fitzpatrick recruiting ranking. We're not, we're not wondering, well, why is John Fitzpatrick not getting the ball more? And so, you know, that's, I, I sort of, I'm starting to get not frustrated, but perturbed a little bit that there's all this fascination with five stars and I get it. it, And we lean into it as well. But once these guys get here and get on the field, they're also sophomore now. And so this idea that he's, you know, he's a five star and is he living up to this, that, and the other Brock Bowers is doing what more than what anyone had envisioned Donald Washington, even before Bowers got here was capable of doing. So I, for one, while I understand why people want to see Darnell get the ball more, I don't think you should take away targets for Brock Bowers to satiate that. Um, let's see. Scotty group. I do think that Michigan, it'll be interesting to see how well, how much success Georgia finds running the football against Michigan. Uh, it's a very different defense uh, than what Georgia has seen to this point in the year. Uh, Jim page who starts in the secondary. I, I will say I Killian, Killian Kendrick are obviously your starting corners. Lewis Seen is going to be your starting safety. I think we see Chris Smith start at safety. And I think you see Latavius Brini there at the star position. Let's see. Ooh, wow, we got a lot of comments. Let me scroll down. Um, let's see. Yeah, give me your score predictions if you got them. Uh, Monk and rat po- I, we're not we're not talking rat poison here. I hate that term, and, and we need to get rid of it from the college football lexicon. Um, let's see. Uh, I've seen the Stetson coming back a lot question. We'll find out in January. Um, you know, obviously he has the ability to use that extra year of NCAA eligibility. We'll see if that ends up coming true. We'll know more in January. You know, Georgia, Georgia doesn't have to bring him back. They don't have to extend that. You saw them do that with some guys last year, but also you did see Devontae Wyatt come back and really help himself. You saw Justin Schaefer come back and really improve as a player there. So we'll find out in January what Stetson Bennett ultimately decides to end up doing. Uh, Joe Melly, no, uh, yes and no. Uh, Lad have been doing with dealing with a lower ankle or not an ankle, but a lower body injury, uh, a little bit in the pre Miami practices. But it sounds like he's 100 percent, or at least as close to 100 percent, and will be able to go and will and should be a factor for Georgia when they take on Michigan. I'd point out, you know, he had a pretty impressive touchdown catch in that game uh, against Alabama and showed what he can really do with his athleticism there. Uh, pretty impressive for a three-star if you know, you're know you into recruiting rankings and whatnot. Uh, Barry Watkins. So this is a great question, not so much because of who the actual answer is, but Georgia needs to get sacks. Uh, they had zero against Alabama. It's just something they have to do better, whether it's Nolan Smith coming off the edge or N'Kobe Dean coming up the middle. Yes, I understand that uh, Michigan had a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, fewest sacks among the Power 5 teams out there. Georgia's got to be able to win with pressure. And so I look for, for this group to have a bounce-back game. I'll say I'll say Channing Tindall. I think Channing Tindall, they use him creatively, and I think he gets the first sack of Cade McNamara on Saturday. Uh, score prediction. I will go I'll go 24. I guess I would have Georgia cover. I, I 24-13 was what came to mind there. Um I I don't know why, you know, maybe maybe 20 to 13 to, 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 you know, Georgia covering a seven and a half point spread. I, I'm not sure on, but I, I think this defense is going to bounce back in a big way. And I do think this offense is going to be able to do enough to, to really keep Michigan at bay. And, and, and I think the big thing to watch in this game, 
the big difference, which I, there are obvious differences between Alabama and Michigan, but if Georgia is able to jump out to say a 10 nothing lead like they did against Alabama and then they're able to sustain that lead early and into the second half there, that's really going to make Michigan play left-handed. Because one thing we haven't really seen them do this year is play from behind a whole lot. Even that Michigan State game, they were winning most of that game there. So if you force Michigan to play one-dimensional, I, I think that really helps your defense out. So I, I, again, I like Georgia in this game. I like the talent. Uh, this is not a good matchup, ma- matchup excuse me, for Michigan. And while I think Michigan has had a tremendous season, uh, I just think this Georgia team does what they do a little bit better. Uh, Foster Moss, I Cincinnati is going to be able to hang with Alabama may not be the right term, but they're going to be able to throw some punches in that game. I'd be really surprised if Alabama loses this game. Uh, the talent edge is really wide there. And uh, Nick Saban is really good at, at what he does. And I think this team has bought in. Uh, that Georgia. Now, granted, they're not going to play as well as they did against Georgia. They're not, and if they play Georgia again, they're not going to play that well. It was the best Alabama had played all season, and to expect to replicate that is just something you're not going to see. So, I, you know, does Alabama reach that same fifth gear that they did against Georgia? Probably not. But that's just given the way the football goes. So, but I do think that Alabama wins, and 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 I feel probably covers the spread against Cincinnati. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So Robert, this is actually a really good question Uh, with this month off. Essentially, I think you're going to see Georgia do some different things. And an example would be last year's college football playoff against Ohio state and Clemson, Ohio state rolled out some stuff that Clemson just hadn't seen. It was not able to prepare for or react to. And that explained why Clemson or Ohio state rather was able to put 49 points on what was a really talented Clemson defense. So I do think they're going to be aware of the edge rushers that, that Michigan possesses. But I point out as well, you know, Alabama has Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, and those guys aren't slouches either when it comes to getting after the passer. So I think that the Georgia offensive tackles, you know, it won't be the A1 story. It won't be the, the, the A2 story. But how Jamari Sawyer and how Warren McClendon hold up, if they play well, that's going to go a long way, in my opinion, in winning. And those guys, I'll say it right now, are going to be the unsung heroes of a Georgia victory. Cade Marinara. I will laugh at that. That uh, Matthew Fletcher, I, w- I will give you props for Cade Marinara. I find that funny. Um, you know, and, and it, Georgia's probably got the better quarterback on Saturday. I know, and I, and I mean Stetson Bennett in that aspect when it comes to comparing Michigan and Georgia there, uh, you know, I, I think Stetson Bennett does things better than what Cade McNamara does. And I think Bennett's mobility gives him an edge. Now, Michigan will deploy uh, J.J. McCarthy. their sort of freshman five-star quarterback to ask them to, you know, move the ball a little bit, be more athletic. You, you could certainly see him a little bit more, especially with the time off between these games. But if you're asking me if I'd rather have Stetson Bennett or Cade McNamara, give me Stetson Bennett. Let's see. Yeah, uh, Byron, I'd point out, I thought Jamari did a really, really strong job against Will Anderson uh, against Alabama, and, and I'm not sure that a, a, while Aiden Hutchinson is an incredible player, do not get me wrong, I'm not sure he's better than Will Anderson. Let's see. Uh, I do see a couple of questions on Adam Anderson. That is still playing itself out in the legal realm. Uh, do not expect that resolved before the end of the season. Um, and so because of that, don't expect to see Adam Anderson in a Georgia jersey for the rest of this year. Uh, Hugh Nash, I mean, 
I will say, you know, Michigan's not going to be afraid of Georgia. They, they went and played Ohio State, who had maybe, you know, the second most explosive offense in the country. And Ohio State is, is one of the few teams in the country that can say they've recruited as well as Georgia. Now, defensively, Ohio State is not on par with Georgia. They do not have the dudes on that side of the ball. But offensively, you know, they had the horses there. And I thought Michigan's defense played very well in that game. Again, Georgia's going to have to get touchdowns in the red zone. That involves creativity from Todd Munkin. That involves execution from Stetson Bennett. And it comes down to Georgia's playmakers. Guys like a Darnell Washington, a Brock Bowers, a Ladd McConkey, a James Cook, making those big-time plays in the red zone to win that game. Georgia was able to do that a little bit. You had Bowers get a touchdown. You had Washington get a touchdown against Alabama. But they weren't able to do it consistently enough. And that's sort of why I think, anyway, that game got sideways there, along with the defense just not playing well. So... Uh, let's see. Let's do one or two more questions and head out of here. Uh, let's see. See, there you go. Now that see that I would agree with This is by far the best defense and most athletic defense that Georgia or that Michigan will have played. Um, whereas, you know, Georgia, yes, they, uh, you know, Michigan's defense is talented. I think a healthy Clemson defense and maybe even Alabama's defense uh, has better talent. Now, Mike McDonald has done an exceptional job with Michigan this year. And, you know, you wonder if he's maybe not too far away from one day being a head coach. I will note as a Centennial High School alum, it's really cool to see McDonald, a, a fellow Centennial alum, have this sort of success this quickly uh, because he's been a big time difference maker for Michigan this season. The big, In my opinion, the single biggest reason that Michigan has made the turnaround that they have from going two and four a season ago to being a, a Big Ten champion, besting Ohio State, being one of the clear best teams in college football. Excuse me. <coughs> Ooh. Ah, not a COVID cough, by the way. Just been talking for 45 minutes. So, P. Rich, if you actually go and you look at the more specific recruiting rankings – they don't have necessarily like the top 100 dudes that they used to on the defensive side of the ball. They've had a few misses there in that aspect. And so while they do still have some, they certainly don't have, I believe, the level of talent across the board that Georgia's defense does. Let's see. One more question and we'll get out of here. Um. Yeah, Alan Verbonchitz, uh Stetson's going to have to make a, th- a few throws to win this game, man, because I think any any smart team defending Georgia say, all right, we're going to commit seven guys to the run. We're going to – because Georgia, as they showed against Arkansas, if you just sit back and, and play your base defense, Georgia's going to run the ball for four or five yards of carry. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be sexy. But if you let them do that, the game is over. You're not beating them. Uh, you have to force Georgia to to make plays through the air. I think Alabama was able to do that, especially when they got that two-touchdown swing at the end of the first half and coming out of the second half there. And really, you, know, you could say maybe Georgia abandoned the run a little bit, but it was clear at that point they're going to have to make plays throwing the football. But if Georgia is able to run the ball consistently against this Michigan team, then this could get ugly because that's the thing. First and foremost, you have it's almost in a way, and I've used this analogy before. It's a little bit like the triple option and how you go about defending that. If the number one sort of principle you're taught in terms of defending the option is take away the fullback dive because the fullback dive 
is going to consistently get you four or five yards of carry. And that's how they go on those 18 play 90 yard drives that suck 17 minutes off the clock. Uh, you have to take that away and, and sort of force them to beat you with your other options. Uh, Michigan, if Derek is content to sort of play what they have played in the past and not take away Georgia's running game, that's a recipe for disaster. Let's see. Uh, Timmy Morgan, I don't know if Georgia has to blitz so much in this game. Against Alabama, I would agree. I think that's the, the proven recipe there. How aggressive Georgia's defense chooses to be in this game against Michigan, we'll see. Uh, you know, obviously there's some trust there in that defensive line and what they're going to be able to do with guys like Jalen Carter, Trayvon Walker, Nolan Smith there on the edge. Uh, and if you're able to win with those guys, you may not need to blitz. And granted, Michigan does have an exceptional offensive line. But again, this is far and away the best defensive front that that Michigan team will have faced. And it'll be interesting to see how they match up. It overwhelmed Clemson at the beginning of the year. Alabama found a way to block it up. We'll see what Georgia sort of front seven really shows up in that game against Michigan on Saturday. Uh this will be the last one, uh, Lysiah Jones. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced your first name there. Um, Lisa Jones, I think. My bad there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Georgia's, Georgia's cornerbacks, specifically, I assume that's who you're talking about. Keely Ringo and Darian Kendrick have a much better game than they did against Alabama. For one, Michigan doesn't have a player like a Jamison Williams or even a John Mechie for that matter. You know, Eric All, I think, is a good tight end. And they've got a freshman whose name escapes me at the moment. But this... At Michigan passing offense is nowhere near even I think I think Georgia has a better passing offense than what Michigan has on hand and so Michigan's going to be able to find success moving the ball but a lot of that is going to be you know tricks gimmicks and, and are they able to do that over the course of four quarters I don't know but I do think Georgia's secondary has a big bounce back game and, and plays better than you saw them play earlier this season and I would point out as well, you know, they've played good receivers, Traylon Brooks, Wandale Robinson. They did have success against those guys, slowing those guys down. So good last question. Questions for the most part were pretty good tonight. I really appreciate you guys tuning in tomorrow night, Wednesday. We'll have Jeff on hand live from Orlando covering the Under Armour All-American game. We're going to do cover four, I believe, on Thursday, B.A. and Mike. And I believe Jeff will be on hand there down in Orlando or yeah, down in Miami. Excuse me. They're somewhere. Everyone is somewhere in Florida right now, except for me. And obviously, Brandon Adams, Dog Nation Daily, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, live from Miami. And then obviously the big game on Friday night, Georgia-Michigan. As I've said before, I think Georgia wins that game. I think it's 21-13 or 24-13. I don't think Georgia gets four trips to the red zone and four touchdowns. I do think uh, Jackpot Lesney uh, kicks a field goal in this game. But I think Georgia wins. Uh, next time I see you guys will be next Tuesday, January 4th, I believe. New Year, I think we're going to be talking about a Georgia-Alabama rematch in the national title game. I just want to say, since this is the last show of 2021, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've really grown this show over the course of the year. Well, I like to think it's because I'm bringing better content and content and just gotten better at talking with this kind of stuff. Uh, You guys have tuned in and and tuned in consistently, and I'm really appreciative of that and what you guys bring to this. I think the questions and Q&A segments we do are really great. And I hope I am answering and providing some, some context into how you feel about the Georgia football program. So for our last show here in 2021, thank you guys for tuning in so much. We're going to be back and better than ever in 2022. My name is Connor Riley for dog nation. This has been Connor in coverage.